All right, hello everybody. Thank you for listening to Through the Garden. Uh, we certainly appreciate you being here. Uh, if you're listening to this, it, it, it is at least February 22nd. And um, I I don't know where to start. I, the NBA All-Star Game happened, boys. Anybody? <laughs> yeah, that was a hard pass. It, well, first off, Benny the Bull was our only representative in Indianapolis, so that made it a little hard to watch. Uh, I watched a little bit of the um, Saturday night stuff, not too much, but I did sit down and watch the All-Star Game, and I do have plenty of thoughts. Yeah, the Saturday stuff was fine. Uh, the dunk contest has kind of jumped the shark. Um, Steph versus Sabrina was cool, though. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I saw the highlight of that. That was pretty cool. That was probably the best part of it. Um, everything else I just kind of kind of missed. I mean, even if I was more interested, I was kind of busy anyway. So it was just kind of like whatever. So. Sure. Yeah, I so I sat down and I actually watched the whole game. And it was it was garbage. Like it was just guys chucking up half court shots, no defense whatsoever as everybody expected. And, uh, they've been talking about it a lot. Um, like how do you fix it? What do you do? And I do have a couple thoughts of how we fix it. Uh, the first one is pretty, pretty cut and dry. Uh, just stop it. Just, just stop it. Like, well, that's not going to happen. I know it's not going to yeah. happen, but if they were to stop it for like, six seven years and it wasn't happening i think the i think the guys would like get the juices back to want to do it again and take it seriously and then they can do like a whole reunion thing because by then like lebron will be retired and maybe kd's gone too like then they have like a reunion game and then they bring it back to what it was like in the 80s and the 90s when guys were out there just fighting for it i don't know that was my that was my initial thought but yeah, there's really no way to fix it because it's gonna keep yeah. happening, and uh, I will put it on LeBron James' shoulders. <laughs> and there's kind of one issue with stopping it is it won't stop the cause of why the All Star Game has kind of gone by the wayside. Players' contracts are just continuing to rise. So if you're a player, you're a million dollars, sometimes a billion dollar brand playing in an exhibition game, and that's never going to be something that they take seriously because they don't want to risk losing their main ability to make money, which is playing basketball. Yeah, it just stinks. Well, you know, we live in a world, too, in a modern NBA world where guys are just getting the rest in during the regular season. You know, right. I mean, they're you have your stars, you know, taking their nights off and getting their rest and whatnot. So, you know, the thought of them going back to actually trying a bit more is kind of – yeah, it, it just it doesn't seem feasible. And, you know, obviously all-star games of old were high scoring. You didn't play as hard, but you at least felt like, you know, there was somewhat of a competition there. And now it's just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. and it's it, it's it's kind of things because, like, even when we were growing up, there seemed to be an understanding, like, the first three quarters were just going to be, hey, who can shoot from a half-court shot? And then the fourth quarter is when it turned into a game. And right. that's not even what's happening. Yeah, in the third, this time in yeah. the fourth quarter, they did absolutely nothing different. Yeah, and they almost scored four hundred points in the game. Like <laughs> yeah. it was just ridiculous. So, yeah. but the thing is, like people keep buying tickets and going to it. Oh yeah, well, yeah. As long it. as it gets revenue, I you know, there it's it's going to keep going. And 
you know, you almost say, do they really need to fix something? Even though it seems like everybody's like, eh, about it. And yet people still watch it. People still go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if we're being honest, the NBA benefits from it being the All-Star Weekend is always one of the first weekends to which there's no NFL games going on. So there's that crave for live sports on the weekend, especially when we're in that first few weeks of there being no NFL. And quite after frank- the Super Bowl yeah, yeah. before March Madness, yeah. Right. Yeah, and quite frankly, it's when a lot of the country first starts watching for the season. Like some exactly. people say yeah. like the NBA game or NBA season doesn't start until Christmas, like the Christmas Day games. Some people wait for the All Star game and they're like, All right, now I can watch. So Yeah. I yeah. I something's gotta happen. But uh to pique my interest, uh the Bulls are gonna have to get better and put some guys in the all star game for me to, exactly. to for me to be wanting wanting exactly. to watch. I'll tell you yeah, what, boys, it was hard anytime soon. It was hard watching like three or four Indiana Pacers be there. I know they hosted it, but seeing three or four Indiana Pacers be there, seeing two or three Minnesota Timberwolves there, like these teams that are not supposed to be better than the Chicago Bulls are better than the Chicago Bulls. And it's I I I my interest in watching the bulls has never been lower same. and and when oh, you know same. when i moved back up to the city i was so excited to like get back into like the bulls get back into the united center and watching a good bulls team and we got zach levine i was like oh my god like here we go like we're gonna do something and we've done absolutely nah. nothing and it doesn't look like it's going anywhere anytime soon no nah. it's not they're in purgatory in the deepest part of purgatory as you can get. And I mean, it, you know, what's funny is since Connor Bedard was in, uh, injured over the NHL all-star game too, the bulls and the Blackhawks had a combined zero players in the game. Right. Zero. Yeah. In, the, in their respective all-star games. Uh, Benny, yeah. Benny wasn't even out there for God's sake. <laughs> no, he was just kind of there. He was just kind of at the it, stadium. Yeah. It yeah. was, I mean, you hate to see it for such a charter franchise in the NBA. Um, but I mean, like we said last week, there's no need to get upset again. Uh, I'm not going to be wasting a lot of energy on the bulls uh, anytime soon. I'm going to be honest no, with you. No, it sucks. Uh, but yeah, it's like, like you said, my apathy is at an all time low and our all time high for apathy, all time low in interest. And that really sucks because like Kobe white's a lot of fun to watch and I love Io DeSumo, but as a whole, I just I don't really have much motivation to watch, and that really is a shame. Yeah, what? Because I, I know it's yeah. you know it just, uh, and I feel bad yeah. for the people I know that are you know in media that are associated with them, including my own brother. I mean, you know he's he likes to write and cover the Bulls. He podcasts for the Bulls on you know uh, Cash Considerations podcast. Be sure to check that out. So yeah, it just sucks. They're like completely irrelevant, and they shouldn't be. It stinks yeah. because you know. Um... Oh, we're going to talk about the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard here coming up. And that tone is so different, even though the the Hawks are just as bad, if not worse, than the Bulls are. They're worse. But, yeah, they're just... Yeah. But, the, but the idea that there is a future and something is happening on the ice has us excited and still going to games. Like, we'll get into it, but it has us going to Blackhawks games knowing we're going to get our asses kicked. But also, we're going to see Connor Bedard do something stupidly awesome. And, and yeah. there's just, and you know, we got, and like you said, like Kobe White, so fun. Uh, I would assume he's so fun. Uh, but outside of that, like we were told, Zach Levine, Jamar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, like these were going to be the guys that got us over the hump, and we're gonna we're gonna be back into relevancy, and we're gonna get out of that 
just middle tier of nowhere and they've done absolutely nothing. So like they could bring in anybody they want. I'd be like, okay, cool. Like prove, yeah. prove to me that you're going to, it's like, it's like the bears with the quarterback, like prove to me that you're going to actually do something. You well, know, who are you going to bring in at this point? Realistically for the Bulls? And, yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. No, that's nobody, thing, like... nobody. You're not going to bring in anybody. Like there's nobody that can pique anybody's interest with this team. Right. And that's the thing. Like with the Cubs, I was cool with watching. I did Jackson give up home one after home one after home one because we had Chris Bryant and Javier Baez in the minor league system. You knew what they were building. Like you said, with the Hawks, you're cool with them losing 21 straight games on the road because they have Connor Bedard. You know what they're building. Um, even the White Sox, like the, those very first few seasons of the Chris Getz era, you were okay with putting up with James Shields in the starting rotation because you had Yohan Mikado coming up. You had Michael Kopech coming up. You had Luis Rappo coming up. Um, you had direction, but the ball was just no direction. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's a disadvantage for the NBA. Like you have the G League, but it, for the most part, it's like you either – you you play really well in college and then you get a high draft pick and then you're in the NBA. Like that's how it goes. Right. There's no farm system, you know? Right. So it's just, it's a mess, man. I just, it sucks. I wanted the bulls to be so good for so long. And now I'm just like, show, show me you can get out of the second weekend of the playoffs. And then, and then you have my attention. At the very I, most you're going to get there in the play in tournament. And if you by some miracle squeak, both play in tournament games out, you're going to go to Boston and they're going to sweep you. Boston's I mean, going to just... demolish them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Though some of those games might be closer than you think because Boston's just going to kind of dick around because they're oh, like, yeah. oh, we don't need to waste our energy on this. Boston, we can easily just... Boston plays with their food so much oh, because yeah. they know they're so good. And it, they, they every time I've actually watched an NBA game this year and it was the Celtics, I you can tell – that they just turn it on whenever they want to. Like, yeah, there's something a special. A potential first round against the Celtics with the Bulls and the Celtics, that, that's a buy round for them, truly. For sure. I'll tell you what, though. If I'm any team in the East, I want to draw the Bucks because mm-hmm. watching that fall apart with Doc Rivers has been amazing. It's been it's been something special, quite honestly, to watch that. Just, too. Yeah. yeah. I and, mean, and the fact, I don't know if you saw the latest thing on it, too. Um <laughs> He said that uh, when they were going to fire the other guy, he told them not to do it. That's yeah. the biggest amount of BS yeah, I've so ever. Did it. Like, what are you even talking about, dude? Yeah, I mean, it's been a joy watching it because, as someone who's hated watching uh, the Bucks, not because of Giannis, specifically because of Grayson Allen yep. and all the dirty tricks he would do against Caruso, I love this downfall for them. Couldn't happen to a better team. It's been a few years now, and I still can't wrap my head around the fact that the Bucks are more relevant than the Bulls. I'm like, yeah. that should never yeah. happen. Ever. I Ever. mean, growing up as a kid, whether it was Kirk Heinrich or Ben Gordon or Derrick Rose, it was always, here are the Bulls, and then there are the Bucks who are just kind of there. And, like, you know, when I was a kid, I low-key kind of liked the Bucks because they never really got in our way, mm-hmm. even though they were in our division, and I loved those uh green and purple uniforms that they used oh, to have was nice those yeah. were that was a classic look like i loved the aesthetic of the milwaukee bucks and no. even though that old logo looked like jägermeister i don't know i just <laughs> i don't there was something about that aesthetic at the old bradley center i i've been to a few games at that old place i i liked that old bucks vibe i was always oh, yeah. a bulls fan but i always kind of liked it now it's like okay they're not only legit but they're 
better than you, way better yeah. than you. I've been to Bulls Bucks games at the old Bradley Center where it was literally 90% Bulls fans there. Yeah. I mean, do you think some of those Cubs takeovers are big? Some of those Bulls games at, at the Bradley Center, man, that was oh, truly yeah. a home game. Sure. But yeah. I, en- I enjoyed going to that Bradley Center and watching basketball there. It's And I hear the new stadium is very, very nice. It's too. very I'd nice. Like uh, it. I haven't been to yeah. a basketball game there yet, but I've been to two WWE wrestling shows. And I can tell oh. you that it's very delightful. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see it. Yeah. I really do want to see it. But, yeah. I mean, you know, now it's like, Come on, the Bucks being the big brother, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, it there's no place yeah, for it. Yeah, it's crazy. No place for it. So, uh we will keep tabs on the NBA. I can't guarantee it's going to lead the show ever again. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe yeah. when we're in the playing tournament for the yeah. finals, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it though. Um so that's what I have for the basketballs. Um going to hockey, a much happier story. Alex and I met for the first time in person on Thursday night where we were mm-hmm. at the Penguins and Blackhawks game at the exact same time. Um, Just a few sections apart, too. Yeah, yeah. You were like, what, 3.30? I was 3.34? Yeah, something like that. It was, yeah, it, yeah so we went up top and, and met each other, and then uh, I had an excuse to grab a beer right when we left. So Yeah. There you, go. Um, you know what? I, I broke my rule that night. Okay. I never leave a game early. But when it was down to a minute, like so a minute bad. 40, and there was a whistle, and we were down three to one, I grabbed my coat and I booked it out of there. Because I, I knew that in under two minutes, there was zero chance we were going to score two goals to tie the game. Zero chance. Yeah. So it's not like I left like 10 minutes to go. Like it was like just under two minutes. But as soon as that whistle blew, just under two minutes, I grabbed my coat and I bolted down the stairs to get to my car. Yeah, you didn't miss anything. You didn't miss yeah, anything. I know. I didn't. I, it was an empty netter, right? I knew the final score was four to one. Yeah, but here's why we went, is because of Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. and it was his return after injury, after getting his jaw knocked off. Uh, he comes back, and Alex, you said it. I mean, like you got tickets the day of the game because you found out Connor Bedard was coming back. Um, Two nineteen that day. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It was like that's that's a team that like. Connor Bedard is selling that place out consistently for the worst team in the league. And it's incredible. And the environment was awesome. There were a ton of Penguins fans. Lots of Penguins fans. (laughs) But besides that, it was awesome to see Connor. That was my first look at Connor Bedard live. He's so fast. When he has the puck, you have no idea what he's about to do. It was was like Patrick Kane all over again. It was so cool. And I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, Even just the cheers when he hit the ice in warm-ups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the place oh, wow. blew up. Place <clears throat> blew up. It was very cool to see him. Um, but that's the thing. Is like he came he came back on Thursday, and at the, point of, at the time of this recording, he's played in three games, and he has six points. That's yeah. – he's ridiculous. He's so – like the Hawks are so bad. But, the, but Connor is just demanding us to watch every yeah. single yeah. game because it's, we have no idea what he's going to do next. Yeah, it's appointment television. It's – Exactly what we were saying. Uh, the Bulls don't have the the Blackhawks yeah. have a legitimate superstar that makes plays each game that makes you stand up out of your seat and be like, "How did he just make that goal?" But yeah, yeah you have to tune in to see what's next. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're truly right now the only of the five te- the five major teams in this city. Heck, even if you expand it to like you know, to other teams. I don't really know much about the Chicago Fire, but, like, the Chicago Sky, they're rebuilding. You know, they were a good team a few years ago. They won the championship, but 
you know, now they're, they're play they're, they're that core is gone and they're rebuilding. Yeah. So, you know, look at all the teams in Chicago and they're really the only team I think with what you could say is a top five player in their respective league in the making, because I mean, the mm-hmm. bears, no, yeah. you got some good players. You don't, you, you don't have a Pat Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen. Uh, you look at the Cubs and the Sox. I do think Luis Robert is very good on the Sox. And obviously the Cubs have a number of good players, but you don't look at anyone on the Cubs right now and saying that's an MVP. That's a top five player. Obviously we talk about the bulls, but you see Connor Bedard and everybody who watches hockey, including the great one, Rain Gretzky is like, wow, he's something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's just, he keeps us watching and it's so much Mm -hmm. fun. It's so good to, to have a reason to watch the Hawks again too. Cause for a yeah, while there, sure. it was so bad. Um, but now it's like the future is bright. And, and to Alex's point, like they're at the tops of the city of a team that's going to be good. So oh yeah, I'm going to keep Definitely. watching them. So by the time you hear this, he will have played another game. So that six points is probably going to be at 10. Yeah. At a minimum. Four point <laughs> game. Yeah. Why not? Uh, they're playing the Flyers, so I wonder how much those tickets are. It's tomorrow night. That's at home? Yep, home okay. Wednesday night. Yeah. So by the yeah. time this comes out, the Hawks will have lost 6-4. to four. Connor <laughs> scored two and assisted on the other two. There you go. Sounds there you right. go. Yeah. All right, we're going to the NFL. Um, We're going to start happy, maybe, and, we're, and ease into it. And... And we're going to keep our blood pressures down and everything's going to be fine. The franchise franchise tag season is here. Jalen Johnson is going to get that call at some point, almost certainly. Anybody want to rebuttal that? Anybody feel differently? Uh, no, it's going to be a franchise tag. It's going to be um, a franchise tag, yeah. The Bears, obviously, the Bears weren't going to do it. Today, the first day in which, or Tuesday, the first day in which I could, because the press of that would just be bad. Like, hey, you guys didn't even try to negotiate a contract. So I'm sure uh, probably the day of or right before March 5th, they'll go ahead and announce that. Yeah, probably, probably closer to March 5th, they'll announce yeah. it. But I don't see an extension happening at this point. No. I would love it, but I don't see it happening. It's, they got plenty of money. They got plenty of money, and they also have plenty of time. Like, let's just figure this yeah, out. Yeah, I mean... It and, doesn't need to happen uh, right now. And honestly, it's... This is playing out exactly like how the Roquan Smith situation should have played out had both sides not taken the negotiations personal. Uh, I think Polis has definitely learned from that mistake. It was a mistake on his part. Definitely a mistake on Roquan's part, but... Jaylon's been professional about it. Poles has been professional about it. There's going to be a franchise tag. If there was a new quarterback, the quarterback contract is going to reset. You have plenty of money available to get that deal done. It was, um, it's hard that that was the lesson to be learned because I loved Roquan. Oh, same. And I wish that it could have worked out for him in Chicago. Um, but, TJ Edwards is pretty good. That's what I was just about to say next. Yeah. I was like, you know what? We have TJ Edwards, and he he balled out this year. And, yeah. and so I I do have an opinion. I don't know how much fact there is behind it. 
I still think that there was more of the Roquan stuff than the public knew. I, I okay, I, yeah. I think there was more there, and I he was a great player, but <laughs> I can remember even in his early years as a Bear that there was smoke around things involving him off the field. I'm yeah. not saying what's true, how much is true. I'm not starting any rumors here. There were a but couple there was, things, yeah. There was some smoke around there. Yeah. And I do think that it is possible that there, there is, there's more to this than meets the eye. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah. And honestly, we saw shades of that with the trade request. Uh, it was such an unusual trade request because he literally went above the general manager's head and was speaking directly to ownership. And it's like, all right, well, you kind of just made your bed with that request because you just shot your relationship with your boss. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough. It was a tough lesson to learn, but you know, I, I fully trust polls to do things to stuff. I have no choice. Also, Justin (laughs) Fields might've unfollowed the bears. Can we get into how nonsensical this is? This is, yeah, this is so stupid. This is just, this is the latest Colin Cowherd thing, you know? Right. Like, I mean, nobody knows if he was even following the bears (laughs) to start with. And the best part is that I was like, oh, he's following Kyle Pitts. Breaking news NFL players are friends with other NFL players. Like, honestly, if I'm Justin Fields at this point, I I am publicly saying I don't want to play in Chicago. Somebody trade me. Like I would screw the Bears over because this this franchise, this fan base, this everything. No, be me being fully part of it. It's just dumb. Like it's just stupid. And, and it's just more of the same. Because like on the very same day, we had Apple Braille like reporting like, hey, things are lining towards the Bears is making a decision next week at the scouting combine. That decision probably is trading fields and um, drafting Caleb Williams. But with this whole Justin Fields, Caleb Williams debate, it's fascinating because we'll have insiders like Apple Brewer, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport say one thing, but then Bears Twitter wants to go on like, oh, but did you see – Caleb Williams like this. So this must mean that he doesn't want to come to the Bears. Like it's such sleuth uh reporting that it's just become comical. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah, yeah. The the age of social media has made things just so dangerous. You know, like oh, yeah. what to believe, what not to believe. It's just it's chaos. It's the wild west yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Um okay. But that was good. Great job, boys. I think that's the first time in through the garden history nobody raised their voice. Uh oh. Yeah. We're cutting it off. We're cutting we're cutting we're cutting that that, that topic <laughs> yeah. off before we go any further. Right, yeah. For Wait, sure. can I just ask one more question? I think it's gonna be okay. I really do. Is there a free agent out there that you would love the Bears to go out and to sign? Because you know, they have money and Ryan Poles has said they have money and they're in the NFL you have to use the money, you know? So is there somebody out there that you guys would love the Bears to go out and sign? Yeah, uh, for me, it's Connor Williams, uh, the son of the Miami Dolphins. He's coming off an ACL injury. Um, but here's the thing. Um, the center position is probably going to be a position where the Bears double dip. You sign a veteran, you draft um, a rookie. Um, you most likely, if you're going to have a rookie quarterback, 
you don't want a rookie quarterback and a rookie center. Uh, that's not the best path for success. So bringing in someone like Williams, you might not be ready right away, right at the start of the season, but it's a veteran presence for the offensive line, um, for the veteran rookie and for a rookie quarterback to be named later. Sure, yeah, that's great. Uh, you know who I had on my mind is just not as the guy, just but more so taking an A-guy role, uh, Jadavion Clowney. He's going to be a free agent. He's a big name. You know, like when he first came on the scene, he was he was a big name. He was a top draft pick. He's he's a guy that people, they recognize the name, and that's something to get excited about. He could come in, not be the guy, because obviously the line is pretty set for the most part, but he could be a guy that comes in second, third down, gets a huge play, you know? So I, I think that's a guy that I think we have money, we don't necessarily have to spend it all on him, but we could a little overpay him just to have him, you know? Agreed. Yeah, yeah that like was it. my guy. Alex, anybody? I mean, you know, I kind of have to do a little more homework extensively, but I know there's been people talking about Daniel Hunter a little bit. I've heard that name a lot, yeah. And you're probably going to have to overpay that, I would imagine, but I feel like it's something to keep an eye on. I mean, you know, you want to build up more on the defense because you're you're in a really good spot with it, but you need to kind of keep building up. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to this topic, too, but you're going to need some more safety help. So, um, you you know, you obviously have the draft, but, you know, you might be looking around at least for depth. I mean, I don't think the market is that really, you know, vast when it comes to safeties, but obviously Buda Baker um, is out there. So, and there might be a few others. I think, um, oh, what's his face from Buffalo? Blanking on his name. Um, but, is... oh, Micah Hyde. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have plenty of time to talk about it. Um, I, I. I think this was a great NFL segment. It was probably one of our best. Everybody kept a nice tone. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, we'll, I mean, we're going to talk about it further. Uh, we think the Bears are going to make a decision soon. One more thing on Justin Fields, though, I wanted to touch on is I saw – I heard a couple times today for the first time that the Steelers uh, have decided to stay in-house with quarterback with uh, – Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph being the two guys. Big and mistake. Like, I even, mistake. That's what I even wanted to say. Even if you don't want fields, was, like that's exactly what I was going to say. You have a top NFL defense. You have actual talent at running back and wide receivers. Get a quarterback. It doesn't. Why do have they to, want to be the Bears? Right. It doesn't have to be Justin Fields. You could have Russell Wilson, who, for all the nonsense that went on in Denver. Russ was actually reinventing himself last year before the whole contract stuff. Came yeah. Out. So I think that this, this coming out right now, obviously I don't know if it's true. These are just things that I've, that I heard today for the first time. Uh, it's, it stinks because, well, for the Packers, I just, or for the Packers gross for the Steelers. I just don't understand it because Justin Fields is better than Kenny Pickett. Justin Fields is better than Mason Rudolph. Justin Fields is better than Mitch Trubisky. RIP. Uh, th- like, what do you? I don't understand why you're not trying to do make your team better, but that's on you. But also, that's a guy. That's a team that we thought was going to be after Justin Fields and drive the price up a little bit. 
So now the Falcons are kind of sitting pretty, you know, like uh, we don't have to do much. He's 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 basically ours, although there's plenty to happen. There yeah, could, there could be plenty of teams that we don't even know want Justin Fields to show up out of nowhere. But it yeah. just hurts to it's if this is true, then it it kind of stinks that one option is off the table. And it's also lying season. Um, I do have it is to lying season. Yeah, absolutely I do right. have to laugh. People get so worried about what leverage the Bears will have in negotiations. If you remember last year when the Bears announced to the world that they were going to trade the pick, everyone's like, why would you do that? You're going to get a terrible trade. And then Ryan Poles had to sit down with Peter King and he, everyone blamed him or criticized him for being too honest. And he still got a hell of a trade with the Carolina Panthers. Um, I'm not too worried about uh, the Steelers potentially being out. I think, all the NFL is going to be in Indianapolis uh, next week, so I'm sure we'll get resolution. Definitely. All right, Alex, any final thoughts? Nope. I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. There you go. All right. Now let's get fired up because it's time to talk baseball. <laughs> um, we had so much happen in baseball the last week that I feel like even if it wasn't the big signings that we thought it was going to be, there were just explosions all around Chicago for multiple different reasons. Yeah. Not always good. Let's start. Let's start national and narrow it down here. <laughs> so Rob Manfred reti- announces he's going to retire after the 2029 season. Uh, my initial reaction to this was, "Why wait? Just go for it. Yeah. Knock yourself out. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Yeah. Um, Leave in the same press conference." Like he just proved why he's just he just hates baseball because he's talking about the situation with Vegas and the A's. Apparently that's kind of up in the air still. Oakland, they need to stay in Oakland for at least another year. And so they're gonna be at the Coliseum again this year, but after this year, they may Oakland have to doesn't go. want them. Yeah, Oakland right. doesn't want them. They may have to go play somebody else somewhere else when when they're building a stadium in Vegas. But Vegas is is like, why don't you stay in Oakland? And then Manfred trying to push them out of Oakland says the Bay Area will be fine. They have the Giants as if like that's us saying, oh, yeah, the Bears can move to Toronto because we have the Packers. That's the exact thing that he just said. It's so. Yeah. I mean, so it was tone so deaf. tone deaf that he just doesn't understand like one of the principal elements of baseball, and that's being a fan, especially if you're fortunate enough to have two teams in your location. Like for us, that's the equivalent of like the Cubs leaving, and Manfred's like, "Oh, it's okay. You, you have the, the White Sox, yeah. it's right, like, or vice versa." No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, we'll get we'll get to, but like the the whole Sox thing, you know, we'll just get into that in a second. But it's just it's just so mind-bogglingly mind-boggling and it's so frustrating how much this guy for like a decade now has publicly hated baseball and just tried his absolute best to ruin it it's it's so frustrating it's almost like uh anthony from down with the uh angels yeah, that was a wild thing. I didn't have that written down, but I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, that was kind of wild. I thought that was a little bit taken hey. out of context, but but I also respect him. Like, hey, yeah. he said, like, hey, I don't want to be here, um, but it's my job. Alex, anything? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I get it. Like, I get like the stuff he did with the fan last season. Yeah, bad guy for that. But honestly, his uh, his presser the other day was hilarious. 
Well, I think that right now, when it comes to baseball on a national level, the Cubs are very highly tied into what's going on because the Boris four are still unsigned. So Bellinger, Chapman, Snell, Montgomery. And what did Tom Ricketts say? I know we'll get into this conversation, but one of the things he said was, I don't talk to Scott Boris. He likes to do this thing where he likes to try to talk to owners and that undermines the GM. So there you have an owner of a team in a big market calling out Scott Boris. And Scott Boris is like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. So this this is kind of a ripple effect that goes beyond just the Cubs. And I think it's caught the attention of the national baseball scope. Oh, yeah. I mean, Boris's reputation is on the line in a big way, um, especially when it comes to Bellinger, because he convinced Bellinger last year to take a pillow contract. He's like, hey, take this one-year deal with the Cubs. If it works out, you'll get your payday this year. And now it worked out to perfection for Bellinger, 2023 National League Comeback Player of the Year. And he was MVP top 10 voting. Yeah, and now the next logical step is for him to get that contract. But if he doesn't get that contract, the precedent that sets for uh, Boris is going to be an incredible fallout for him. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, it's been a wild couple days. Just from uh, Ricketts talking and then Boris talking back and stuff, um, and this whole this whole narrative of uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's like illegal collusion going on or what the deal is with the yeah, people are speculating that yeah that the owners kind of behind closed doors have gotten together and said we're not putting up with this anymore, and and they're almost dictating. Like it's almost it's so weird. It's almost like the whole uh league is like, we know he's going to you guys, so why don't you try to make the price a little lower and we won't do anything about it? Like mm-hmm. there's some sort no. of weird thing going on, maybe. But at the same time, Cody Bellinger as the player has like the authority to go up to Scott Boris and say, get the deal done. And he hasn't done that yet. So this is a little bit on Cody. This is a little bit on Scott. This is a little bit on Tom and the owners and whatever's going on. You know, it's this whole cat and mouse game. Everybody, like the players have tried to change the narrative. The owners have tried to change the narrative. The, um, the media and the owners and stuff see Scott Boris as this devil. The players see Scott Boris as Superman, basically like getting them the money. So it's, it's, it it's just been for me it's been a really sad week because it's just a huge reminder of this game that i just adore so much at the end of the day to the guys that i watch or it's a business to them and it's that's all it is and yeah it's just the cold reality. hard reality of yeah. what of what the situation is so i don't really like i'm not going to blame i'm not going to blame tom for trying to get something cheaper I'm not going to blame Cody for trying to get his money and I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to blame Scott for doing his job. You know, I'm going to be frustrated as a fan because I think there's plenty of money to go around, especially mm-hmm. with the Cubs. And, yeah. and that was one of uh, Tom's point was he's, he said, so we talked about being in the, um, <laughs> in the bracket or 
being at the luxury tax or being over the luxury tax. He's he says not. That, he says the Cubs are usually in the luxury tax area. I can tell you right now that I wrote a blog today for Sports Mockery. Um, go check it out. Uh, but the threshold this year is two hundred twenty-seven million. The Cubs are at like one seventy-seven or one seventy-eight yeah. or one eighty-seven. Yeah, I, I might have one of yeah, those numbers was... mixed up, but they're still. Some, they have fifty million dollars to work with. We're, does somebody want to remind Tom that the manager doesn't count towards that? Correct. Yes. Yeah. And that's the thing. Yeah. Hang on, just a second. Uh, uh, the um, he still has fifty million dollars to work with, right? Oh. And he yeah. says the Cubs are right by the the threshold, and then he said. Um, somebody asked him, well, what do you have to do to get over the threshold? And he said, we need more revenue. So I wrote a blog today about all the different new ways the Cubs have revenue that they did not in 2009 when he took over. And it includes Gallagher way. It includes the hotel Zachary complex. It includes the DraftKings Sportsbook. It includes marquee sports. He's running out of ways to bring in revenue because he's done absolutely all of them. And he makes almost as much money as the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers. The New York Yankees have a payroll of almost 300 million and are way over the tax threshold. The Dodgers just fleeced the tax threshold and figured out how to get the biggest superstar. And then the other biggest free agent uh, coming from Japan on the same team at the same time without paying them anything towards the cap, basically. If they can figure that out and the and the Yankees can pay a bajillion dollars, why are you not in that discussion? So and I'm not I'm not letting him excuse. off the yeah I'm not letting him off the hook, I'm not letting Cody off the hook, I'm not letting Scott off the hook, I'm not letting anybody off the hook. I'm just frustrated. I like I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just disappointed in everybody. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And and you know we hear the excuse from Tom. Well, we have to pay higher taxes. Blah 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 blah. It's like yeah. Okay. Then don't be rich. Yeah. Problem solved. And here's the thing. It's not with the luxury tax. It's not like you pass the luxury tax and then you're immediately faced with the second level. No. You pass the first threshold. You have another $20 million in space before you reach the next uh, threshold. So it's not something where the Cubs have to stop. And it was laughing. It's such a shame, too, because when Tom opened the press conference yesterday, going after Boris. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what he should be saying. Mm-hmm. And then he started talking about the payroll. And then he started talking about, well, the Diamondbacks won the World Series and they yeah. won 84 games. And it's like, buddy, you just, even though like as a couple of If he had just stopped at his Boris comments, right. we would have yes. considered him a hero. Right. But and he just he, kept talking. And yep. here's the thing. He said the quiet part out loud. I mean, any logical Cubs fan knows that. The Ricketts got his World Series, and then Nevison said he's treating uh, the Cubs like a line item on a general ledger, which is fine. It's cool. We're all aware it's, he's been doing that. Unfortunately, there's nothing we could do about it. Um, but at least he didn't publicly say it. But that's what his comments were yesterday. He publicly admitted that he's cool with entering each season with the faint hope that the team could contend instead of making sure they enter the season knowing that they can get done. And that's the difference between the Cubs and the team like the Dodgers. Did would you be... see what I tweeted today? I did not. No, what was that? It was a, it was a summing up Chicago sports as a whole. It oh, was I saw ex- that one, yeah. What were the three words that I said? Raise your bar. Yeah. Definitely. There's the thing. He would get a lot longer leash with me. If we were going on four to five years in a row of being over the tax threshold, where each like there are certain stages where the tax amount, the percentage goes up. 
So if he wanted to drop down and reset a year, then you have like that you'll get way more understanding me understanding from me there if you weren't a team that has had a losing record with the exception of last year for three years in a row and then hadn't made the playoffs and then haven't hasn't won a playoff game since 2017. If you're if you're paying and you're in the playoffs and like we go on a four or five year stretch of just you losing in the NLCS every single year and it's like we gotta switch it up, then you then you have a lot more leeway with me than going under the threshold to reset and then going immediately back over it. This guy just thinks the threshold is the ceiling and it's not. And it's frustrating because Cody Bellinger is an MVP candidate. Matt Chapman would help this team immensely. Jordan Montgomery would be a great addition to the starting line or starting rotation. Like all these options and all these guys that are in your price range because you still have $50 million until you're even at the threshold. And then you can go over it. Like, and you won't even, because you have $50 million to play with, you won't even have to go over it as much as the Yankees are. Like you need two more pieces. If you can't get two pieces with $50 million, then what are you doing, dude? Yeah, and uh, here's the thing. I'm sure 90% sure Bellinger will be back. Um, yeah, I said on the uh, <laughs> I said on the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast that I would jump in the lake if he wasn't. And here's a PSA to Cubs fans. Stop hating David Peralta. The minor league signing has nothing to do yeah. with where things stand uh, with Cody Bellinger. And <clears throat> honestly, if you look at the summer of Mike Touchman, it was over in August. He was awful in August and September. The Cubs are going to need better bench play. Um, Peralta, Peralta was, be is a great bench guy. Yeah, I'm not he'll mad. I, I kind of like the signing. I wasn't mad yeah. at the is signing the minor at league all. Signing I, is death. I like it. Yeah. Everybody yeah. was and, mad because it wasn't Cody, and the next signing was supposed to be Cody, and that sucks. Like that's, and that's like, yeah. That's I mean, like the timing. This, that's like this yeah. year in the in the the in the Royal Rumble. Like yeah. the 30th guy, everybody was like, oh my God, who's it going to be? And it was Sami Zayn. It was like, Sami Zayn. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the same thing. Uh, the timing was brutal because here you had a whole day that was centered with the Cubs standoff uh, with Bollinger. And then they news dump uh, minor league signings of Peralta and Dominic Smith, which I do again, have. I do have some fear that I'm going to be hearing Dom Smith's name a lot more than I would like to. Probably. But <laughs> I mean, here's another thing. It's not indicative of um, Cody Bellinger. And honestly, like if we're, if we're breaking down what Dom Smith is probably going to be doing, Dom Smith had 12 home runs uh, last last season. Myra's Master Bonnie, what, had less than five? So if we're talking about a bat off the bench who's capable of hitting one out, much rather have Dom Smith in that spot than Myra's Master Bonnie. That's fair. And if anything – Smith being here is just an indictment of the organization's lack of faith in Matt Marvis being an up and down guy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I get it's insurance at that spot. Um, like I said, David Peralta, I think that's a, that's a fine signing. He's a good defender. He's a really good career pinch hitter. It's pinch hitting numbers in his career. Are very, very good. Um, so yeah, I, I, as a bench guy, that's fine. And Jordan, I'm glad you brought up Mike Talkman because I, as much as I liked him last year, that fizzled out towards the end. And I don't no. know if you can rely on that similar production when he was at his peak this coming year. So giving yourself a little insurance there is good. Now with Dom Smith, it's probably not a big deal. It's probably not. But uh, 
I the first thing I said when they signed him was are they going to use him more than I want? And I, I bring this up for two reasons. One, I feel like the past few years, there's always been this weird fascination from the Cubs with him and that they never actually got him, but there, he was always like on their radar. And two is that this, this position is so less defined. Like we know who our starting corner outfielders are. We know it's Suzuki and Happ and Peralta is mainly a corner outfielder when he's in the field. Whereas, you know, with first base right now, if you don't have Cody Bellinger, well, guess what? It's probably Patrick Wisdom, Michael Bush, Matt Mervis, and Dom Smith. So the fact that there's that uncertainty makes you just wonder. And, I mean, Dom Smith has more experience than Matt Mervis at first base, as does Patrick Wisdom. So, uh, you know, again, it's probably not a big deal, but there is that little part of me wondering how they're going to use him if they use him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think he probably does make, the opening day roster. Here's why. Uh, he's recovering from a surgery that is actually going to make him miss most of spring training, but he'll be mm-hmm. ready by opening day. So that's just a unique signing to make if you're not thinking he has a chance of making the opening day roster. One thing I will say with Dom Smith is if you look at like how the Brewers use their bench with the credit council, they always had a guy that could come in Get that home run at the worst possible spot. Dom yes. Smith has, Dom Smith's power numbers definitely have taken a dip since he first came onto the league. But he had twelve home runs uh, with the Nationals last year. Um, again, if you're down one and you ask me to go to Miles Masterbroni or Dom Smith, I'm probably going with Dom Smith because of the chance he has to hit one out. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So let me ask you guys this: Let's say we don't get Cody Bellinger. I know it's over. It's still likely we do. If we don't, what like, what is your confidence level in the Chicago Cubs being contenders this year? Not great. Yeah, most of the most of the um, the projectors have the Cubs around five hundred and either just sneaking into the wild card or not at all. Yeah, I that's exactly where I put them. Yeah, 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 because I I mean honestly, if if you don't get Cody, yet like you said, it's gonna be some sort of Patrick wisdom, Michael Bush situation happening at first base. Then you're just, you're just hoping and praying that either Christopher Morrell or Nick Madrigal just wow everybody at third. And you're expecting Pete Crow Armstrong to be his potential right away. Mm, And the likelihood of all of those things happening at the exact same time. While I will say Craig council is probably the manager that I would want in in this spot to get the most out of the guys yes. that he has. Oh, yeah. And I, and I, when we got him, like I love David Ross, but when we got Craig council, I was like, now I basically trust anybody that's going to be on the Cubs roster because that's how confident I am in Craig council. Having PCA and Nick magical and Christopher Morrell and Patrick wisdom all like clicking at the exact same time is a fairy tale. It's like it, it doesn't happen unless we win a hundred games and win the world series. And, and that only are, happens in a fairy tale. And there are some people out there who argue with me on Twitter and block me on Twitter because I try to argue that. And they're like, no, what are you talking about? All oh, the prospects are going to turn out great. We don't need yeah. to spend money. Spending money is stupid. I'm like, why do I just, 
it's these black and white agendas I don't understand. You can no. say you like the farm system and not rely on Michael Bush. I mean, I got blocked by a dude because he's like, yeah, well, where are you going to give at best Michael Bush? You don't understand. You're an idiot because they signed Michael Bush to get the-. I'm like, dude, like, really? You're going to go into this season and have Michael Bush be the one you rely on? Yeah. Right. You know who was Come the- on! You know who was a number one prospect? Yoan Moncada. You tell me. That, yeah. that who uh, you're picking? Yeah. I mean, Michael Kopech, is that who you're picking? Just look at the South side. Those are your yeah. top prospects. Did they, what did they get? What did they do with them? You know? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't count enter on season you can't, with you them. Can, you don't get, you don't get Chris Bryant's. You, you don't, don't have a Chris no. Bryant's. You don't get Bryce Harper's. You don't get Mike Trout's. Like those don't happen. It just doesn't happen overnight. And yeah, I will say, Pete Crow Armstrong being managed by Craig Council is probably the best thing that will ever happen to him. But if you're expecting him right out of the gate, 30 home runs, like 300 average, whatever, you're out of your mind. And maybe here's, he surprises us all, but we don't know. Go for it. And here, yeah, I here's where Council probably makes a difference. Um, definitely for Pete Crow Armstrong, but look at a player like Alexander Canario, especially if... Uh, Christopher Morel is going to be playing third base, which is another thing we can credit Council with because for whatever reason, David Ross did not want to try Christopher Morel at third base last season. 23 starts in his career at third right. base, yeah. And everyone's like, he can't play defense at third. You can't put him at third. He has 23 games at third base. Let's give him an extended rope and see what he does. I'm glad Council is doing that. But him doing that at third base opens up uh, DH. The reason why I mentioned Canario and I wrote about this uh, last September, Alexander Canario had a WRC plus of 145. Mm-hmm. But David Ross, despite the lack of power and offense the team had in September, was just like, ah, why don't we play him in, you know, game two of a double huddle and we'll just put him in in the eighth inning. It's like, we got to play the guys that can. Right. Yeah. It's just, so, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I understand, Alex, I understand with your frustration with people like, like trusting the prospects. Like, here's the problem though. Like, you know who, you know who's feeding that is Jed and Tom. They're feeding that into the fans. And you can trust prospects, but not use them as an excuse not to sign right. a guy like Cody Bellinger. Like, listen, I'm like, hey, you know what? I hope Pico Armstrong turns into this. I feel good that Ben Brown, Kate Horton could be good pitchers. I'm not completely discrediting this, but it's this counter argument. We don't need to sign Cody Bellinger. It's like, uh, I mean, listen, no, there's yeah. risks to Cody Bellinger too. There are big risks to Cody Bellinger, but you can't tell me there are risks to Cody Bellinger and not relying on guys who haven't done anything in the big leagues. I'll tell yet. you what the yeah the risk for Cody Bellinger is a lot less than Pete Crow Armstrong. The upside oh, yeah. is a different story. And all I heard in this one counter argument is, well, they're raking in AAA. What are you talking about? You don't know. I'm like, you know who else raked in AAA? Brendan Davis. You know who else raked in the minor leagues? Braylon Marquez and Caleb Killian. We can go on and on. And that's yeah, not no. to say all these guys are going to be busts, but the, the guy was telling me what a big risk it was and how he was stupid for trusting Cody Bellinger, but was basically saying these prospects are done deals when the, the success rate of prospects it, is not very high. Yeah. No, yeah. It's considering you're going to fail more times than you succeed. Um, this, and honestly, if it was 2022 fresh off of the destruction of the court 
yes, play all the prospects, yes. see what you have. But you cannot go into a 2024 season after you won 83 games when you should have won 88 games and been in the playoffs and then be like, eh, we're just going to hand it to Pete Crow I'm talking to Michael Bush. I'm pretty confident in both, but I'm also pretty confident that if you do that, you're not going to have success. You have to bring in Bellinger. It's a good problem to have when you have good players on up and down your roster. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I will say too, is there, there is one thing I will say about prospects. If you're going to trust prospects more than maybe we're comfortable in doing so, I'll still take it over the Eric Hosmer's and the oh, yeah. Trey Mancini's and the Tucker Barnhart's because people were like, you know, Oh, when they signed, David Peralta, like, oh, you know, it's just another Eric Hosmer. It's another Trey Mancini. I'm like, those guys were brought in to be permanent solutions, at least for the time being. Exactly, yeah. Everyday solutions. That's not what these moves are. So, like, listen, if you're going to say, hey, we're going to put Pete Crow Armstrong in center, I'd rather it be Pete Crow Armstrong way over if you brought in, like, Kevin Kiermeyer at this point oh, or yeah. Kevin PR. I think they've already signed other places. I think PR went to the White Sox, but you yeah, get what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. And and that's the it's thing is like and adding adding the depth is like if PCA is having a bad day, he because he's so young, you put a veteran in there and you take PCA out and you be like, here's why I pulled you today. Like we'll oh, try yeah. again tomorrow. You know, it's just stuff like that. And I just think I think signing Bellinger too would be really good for PCA just to like one center fielder to another center fielder with high hopes. It's like Cody can be like, here's how to be a major league player. Here's how to be successful in the major leagues. Like here's what to do when you go from being an MVP in a world series champion to being dog shit. And here's how you figure out how to turn it back around. You know, like it's just Cody would fit. Cody's going to fit so well when he comes. Yeah. I, again, I have, no doubt Cody's yeah. going to be here. And yeah. honestly, once Cody is um, here, I, I think I'm going to feel so much better about the roster, even with Peralta and Smith, because it just moves everyone down a notch. Uh, Peralta is your new Mike Touchman, probably more dependable than Mike Touchman. Alex and I have kind of beat that um, over and over again. And I think, again, Dom Smith, if used right, if used in a roster that has Cody Bellinger, and Pete Crow Armstrong and Christopher Moore at third base. Dom Smith is a fine person to get a start yeah. once a week. Well, next week we'll be able to talk about actual gameplay that we see because the first game it's will Friday. be Friday. Um, I think the biggest question marks for me, what's going to happen at third base? What's going to happen with Pete Crow Armstrong? Who's going to be the fifth starter? Those, those, if I need to know those things before I can be like, oh, yeah, we're going to win 92 games. Like, we're not. I need to know. So we will have some gameplay to, to, to discuss next week. I'm very excited for that. Um, we'll have plenty more Cubs to talk about in the next month before opening day hits. But now we do have to talk about the White Sox. <laughs> 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 we'll be a little more harsh with this. It might be a little easier for us. But uh, So Jerry Reinsdorf is asking for a billion dollars publicly to build his new stadium. Uh, in the, one billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> one billion dollars. Um, and nobody wants to pay this. 
Um, and Sox fans are split. Like uh, from what I've seen, 50, 50, half of them are like, just leave Chicago. And half of them are like, this is our only hope to keep them. And it's just crazy because, you know, um, they were talking about it on 670 to score today and nobody really mentions this a lot, but the White Sox are one of the charter franchises in major league baseball. Mm -hmm. Like they've been around for a very, very long time. And, they don't have the the history of the Yankees or even the Red Sox, really even the Cubs, but they're kind of important. And for them to be this close to leaving Chicago is weird. And I don't think that they're going to leave Chicago. I think they're going to do the public funding, and I think they're going to get the stadium because uh, Chicago needs them as a form of revenue. So... Uh, they need, they are taking the approach that Tom Ricketts doesn't understand of you have to spend money to make money. However, um, they're asking for a billion dollars. <laughs> like I, I obviously don't want to pay for it, but at the end of the day, I'd rather have two team, two baseball teams in Chicago than one team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as a Cubs fan, um, honestly, I, I so do well. That was before Benelli left, but I, I still did enjoy watching Sox games because I thought what Benelli and Stone had um, was among the best in baseball. We'll see um, how the new guy does. Um, but no, as a Chicago fan, baseball is at its best when both teams are good. Um, and honestly, I kind of do, as much as it's weird to do, I have to give Jerry credit in this vacuum and that he did manage to at least sell it the White Sox leaving as a realistic possibility. Yeah. I do think he gets his public funding because I think those in Springfield are like, wait, Jerry's actually going to leave if we don't do this. And for as much as the public might not want to, you know, pay the one billion that he's asking for, I think Chicago realizes we kind of need the White Sox here because they'll still generate money despite how bad the team might be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, who knows? Maybe new stadium, they turn around, they put some better players on too. For all no, you know. need a new one on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. I will say too, like the uh, the talks of expansion, like Rob Manfred said that in the next few, few years, or at least before he's gone, he really wants two more teams in the league to get to 32 and he talked about Nashville being one of those teams. That's the that's the city that Jerry was kind of linked to. Um, so I don't know what it does as far as his leverage of being like, oh, we'll just go to Nashville if Nashville's getting an expansion team. But I think this deal with the stadium is going to happen a lot quicker than the expansion's going to. So I think it, Nashville's sitting real pretty because it looks like they're getting a ball club here soon. Yeah, um, one way or the other. Yeah. So. I also think Nashville doesn't want the White Sox. Uh, it was interesting yeah, when that was first floated out as the White Sox going to Nashville. Um, people were talking with like people within Nashville and they're like, I would want the White nah, Sox. We're good. I would want the White Sox if they had an owner that wanted the White Sox too. Right. But as of right now, I would not want the White Sox. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. but can you imagine baseball in Nashville? That's going to be awesome. Oh, it would be fun. Going yeah. down yeah, there absolutely. for a weekend with the Cubs. Oh, yeah, my it's God. Gonna be great. That's going to rock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one more thing. Uh, Tim Anderson might uh, be on his way to Miami, so that's cool. 
I I was yeah. I was scared we were going to lose TA. I think all he needs is a change of scenery and I think he I don't think he's going to get back to like his his best ball, but he can certainly be a role player on a on a baseball team. So I think Miami would be a great spot for him for a one-year deal of like look I can still play baseball and then go to a contender next year. Yeah, I think so. Um everyone's kind of was like shocked. It's like, "Oh, I can't believe there's no interest in Tim Anderson." Tim Anderson has been one of the worst players in baseball since the second half of 2022. So um, not not a huge surprise. But like you said, I think if he goes to a team like Miami, honestly, in a much, much smaller sense, do what Chris Bryant did. Just go to a fringe base major league team, play your 150 games. If you prove you can play baseball, I'm sure you'll be back at it next winter. Anybody else? Anything else? This was a lovely yeah. episode, boys. Everybody yeah. kept everybody kept a nice quiet tone. <laughs> well, I got a little Yeah. But I wasn't yelling at you guys. No. no hey, no. we never All yell of. at each other. No. Not this podcast. No. Go listen to another no. podcast for that. Of course not. Um, yeah. So next week we're gonna have actual baseball to talk about. No. Um, maybe a couple bears things. Um uh jordan you're on duty for naming the podcast uh but before we get to that alex what is going to be the headline next week spring training is underway that's very that's very fair jordan what's gonna what's uh i know i put a lot of thought yeah what's gonna be the headline next week uh justin fields traded to the falcons yeah that's where i was gonna go but i'll do it different i'm gonna say uh i'm gonna say cody bellinger Four years, probably more money than we expect for four years, but four years. Yeah. No, I like it. I think yeah. if it's in that four-year range, I yeah. think the Cubs are cool. Yeah. What are we naming it, Jordan? Uh, shout out to the Internet Sleuths. We will name it Follow Us on Instagram. Name it, name it Follow Us on Instagram. I like that. <laughs> I like that because of the field thing. It's good. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, we'll do it again next week. <laughs>